0: Christmas weekend, the Christmas message is something that I spend a good part of the year thinking about and praying about. It's one of my favorite messages of the year. And every weekend that we arrive at this point, I feel a tension as it relates to the sermon. Do we go in the direction of speaking to people who have known Jesus for years years and years and years and years and years? Or knowing that there will be a good number of people for whom this is one of two possible services of the year where they attend with family? Do we go in the direction of only talking to people who do not yet know Jesus as Lord, Savior, and friend? And it seems every year I get to the Christmas message, I can't choose between the two. So I'm going with both. And here's the goal. The goal is for those of us who have walked with Jesus for years and years and years that we would be reminded all over again why it is so important that we hold fast to the truth of Christmas, not just the holidays. And to be able to have a conversation and answer some questions, if you do not yet know Jesus, of why this time of year Everybody seems to look in the same direction at Christmas. Christmas brings lots of things. Christmas brings presents. And Christmas brings cheer. And Christmas brings shopping mall parking lots. And Christmas brings traffic. And Christmas brings eggnog, and Christmas brings milk and cookies. But there's something else Christmas brings that I don't know whether or not we do a good enough job of remembering. For many, Christmas brings questions. And I wanna take some time today answering five different questions that I believe we should all remember to answer every Christmas and probably every day of our lives. Isaiah chapter seven verse 14, you can turn there if you want, but we're only reading one verse. This is in, in the Bible what's called a messianic prophecy and this one verse, this passage is talking before the day comes about a day that would one day come where the Son of God would come to earth to save the world. Let me read it to you because it is the point of Christmas. Isaiah seven verse 14 says, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Watch the sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. That's a pretty impressive sign. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, God with us. The whole idea of Christmas is that the Son of God, Jesus, the Messiah, is the God who comes to earth to save us. He's not the God who remains distant, he's the God who makes house calls. One of the most amazing things Jesus says, recorded in scripture, he says to a man named Zacchaeus, he says, I am coming to your house today. And here's what Jesus was saying, I'm the king who makes house calls. I don't just bid you to my palace, I come into your mess. And the first question we have to answer about Jesus is this, why did Jesus come? Why did Jesus come? Two answers, because really this is a a two-part question. First, why did Jesus come to earth? Philippians chapter 2, verses six and seven answer this question, painting a very vivid picture of one of the biggest reasons Jesus came to earth. Though Jesus was God, Jesus did not think of equality with God as something to cling to, something to hold on to. Instead, Jesus gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. I wanna make sure you get this picture clearly. Before Jesus came to earth to be born, he was seated in a perfect environment next to God the Father. Everything was awesome. Long before the Lego movie tried to copyright that song, Jesus was probably singing that song. Everything was perfect. And he chose to set aside his divine privileges for a while, just to come to earth. And to make sure you really get this picture, I want you to imagine that you and I are seven years old. And we meet each other at school, and we become great friends very quickly, but there's a problem. We live in two different worlds. You live in the hood. You live in a studio apartment with seven siblings, all sleeping on the floor around one bed. I live in a mansion, a mansion with so many rooms, you will never be able to count them all. Growing up with parents who have so much wealth, it's more than the 1,000 people you know who have access to the most money. Those 1,000 people only have 0.1% access to the wealth My parents have. For me, everything is awesome. But I meet you at school. And I really, really like you. And I want to be best friends with you. And one day I say to you, I want to be your best friend. And I want you to know what I want to do. I'm going to leave my parents' house. To do what, Preston? To come live with you. You're an idiot. I know the mansion you live in. You don't wanna come live in this dump. I wanna be best friends with you. Okay, question. Would you be a little bit undone by my invitation of friendship if I gave up all of that to come live with you? Yes, you most certainly would. Question, then why are we not undone when we try and think about what Jesus walked away from to come to earth and be with us for? Jesus came to earth to render you speechless. The value of what Jesus came for, you, is in part revealed by the value of what Jesus left behind. But it gets even better. Jesus didn't just come to earth. He came to a stinky, smelly stable, lying in a manger. Have you ever thought about why the son of God wasn't born in a mansion? It's where he deserved to be born. This is the king of kings being born in the earth. Why wasn't he born in a mansion? Why was he born in a stable with animal feces all around? I think there's a very, very simple explanation. Because Jesus knew that many of us, when thinking of the thought of Jesus coming to save us in order to be best friends with us forever, many of us would look at the mess we've made in our lives with all of the mistakes we willingly chose to make. And we, Jesus knew that our response, if he came to save us, would be this. Surely not me. I'm a mess, but I'm messier than everybody in this room. The son of God, the king of kings, doesn't come for messes like me. He comes for mansions like preachers. And Jesus said, well, I'm gonna take away the power of that little narrative. And I'm going to be born in a stable with donkey poop next to my bed. Question, have you ever wondered why the Bible doesn't describe how stinky and nasty the stable was? Oh, I assure you, it stunk. We have like 30 chickens at our house, poop everywhere. When it rains, you can smell my house from about eight houses away. Poop stinks. How come the Bible doesn't record this fact? Let me tell you why. Because Jesus was in the room. And when Jesus is in the room, for some reason, he is so impressive, no one focuses on the mess. Jesus didn't come to a mansion, he came into the mess. Why? To send you and me the message. I left a perfect mansion to step into the messiest mess, Preston, so that you would know I came to do something about your mess. This is what I do. Why did Jesus come? To render you speechless and to send you a message, he came for your Mass. Question number two, why did Jesus stay? Okay, question one, why did he come? But question number two, why did he stay? Can you imagine being Jesus, leaving a perfect environment, seated next to God the Father? Everything is awesome, so awesome it's perfect. And then you get to earth, and you are squeezed out of your mother's womb. And you look around and all you see is nasty mess in comparison to the perfection you left behind. Put yourself in Jesus' shoes. How many of us would turn around and immediately go back? Most of us. Don't act all religious on me now. Most of us would turn around and go back. Here's how I know. Have you ever been on a vacation before? where you did a little research online and based on the pictures you saw, the deal looked like it was just too good to be true and you like to save money and the price kind of communicated this was a dump but the pictures online communicated this was the steal of the decade. And so you pay in advance, you show up to this location and very quickly you realize you've been scammed. It's the dumpiest dump you've ever seen in your life. And this is your only vacation of the year. What do most of us do? We turn and go back to where we came from. Why didn't Jesus, once he saw how messy this mess was, why didn't he turn and run? Why didn't he go back to the Father? It's what he should have done. I believe there's a very simple but romantic explanation. Jesus stayed to show his desire to be with us let me read it to you john 1 verse 14 one of the most important chapters in all the bible so the word capital w jesus became human watch this next part and made his home among us what is home and why do we call it home Why don't we call it work? Home is what we call the place where we want to spend the most time. I want you to understand something. Jesus stayed to send a message to you to say where you are is where I want to be. During my time on this earth, I'm not visiting, I want you to know I'm moving in. While I won't be here forever, while I am here, my mentality is this, because you're here, I'm here. I want to be where you are. And so even though it was messy, he chose to stay. This is why we celebrate Christmas, because our God is the God who in fact does make house calls. He is Emmanuel, God with us. Question number three, what did Jesus do while he was here? I don't have enough time to really go through this because the list answering this question is exhaustively long. And I can't check all these boxes, but I do want to draw your attention to two very specific things. The first thing Jesus did while he was here is he preached the good news. I'll read it to you Luke chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. Remember, the angel appears, and those the angel appears to start freaking out. The angel says, Don't be afraid, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people, the whole earth. Here's the good news. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, Jesus, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. What was the good news? One word answer? Jesus. Jesus is the good news. If you have been at this church for any amount of time, you've heard me probably say, God has a divine sense of sarcasm. This is one of my favorite things about the Christmas story. God sends the good news to the earth to preach the good news. Jesus is the good news. Here's the message of the good news of Jesus Christ. The bad you've done which the Bible calls sin. While the penalty for that is the eternal separation from God, the good news of Jesus Christ is this, the Father sent the Son, Jesus, to die in your place, to pay the penalty for your sin so that you could be best friends with the God of the universe forever. One of the most important things Jesus did while he was on the earth was preach the good news and he knew it was a big part of why he came. Luke 4, verse 43, Jesus says, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God in other towns because that is why I was sent. But that's not the only thing Jesus did while he was here. Something else very important Jesus did while he was here is he showed us the Father. John chapter 1, verse 18 says, no one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God, and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made the Father known. Have you ever had somebody make an assumption about you who had never met you? You ever had that before? Someone who's never met you doesn't really know anything about you. Makes assumptions about you based off of what others say about you. We've all experienced this before. You might be an incredible human, but so and so over here is telling people you're a wretched human. How frustrating is it to be a good human but to have the story of being a wretched human perpetuated about you and believed in such a way that in their minds it's true about you. We know how frustrating that is, right? Here's one of the biggest reasons God, the Father, sent Jesus, the Son, to show us what God was like. God did not want to leave your opinion of him, your understanding of him to someone else's perspective. He sent the son to show you what he was like. One of my favorite examples of this. His a moment, John 8 records this. Some very religious people, a big group of them, caught a woman in the act of adultery. I'm gonna paint this picture too clearly because we have children in the room. Caught in the act means most likely, if not probably, they drug her away in the middle of the act. She's probably not dressed. At the most, she was probably covered up with a sheet that she probably grabbed to cover herself. And these religious people drag her out to Jesus and this is what they say. Jesus the law says that she deserves to die for what she was doing. And Jesus says, you are right to say. The law says the penalty for her sin is death. Now remember, one of the most important things Jesus came to do was show us the Father. One of the narratives I hear about God the Father all the time is this. God is an angry God who hates sinners. Remember, Jesus came to show us the Father. What was it Jesus did in this moment? Did Jesus look at this probably mostly naked woman who had been caught in the act of tearing down someone's marriage, either hers or someone else's? Did Jesus look at this woman and say, you are disgusting to me, get away from me? Because that's the way many people assume God behaves. That's what they think God is like. But Jesus came to show us exactly what the Father is like. What did Jesus do in this moment? He did not yell and scream at her. He said, you are right to say, the law states she should die. She should be sown to death for her sin." And so I say to all of you, let any of you who have never sinned be the one to throw the first stone to kill her. And one by one, they back away to the point that the only two left are Jesus and this woman. How would it change our perspective of God the Father if we would actually do our research and read through the stories of Jesus' life and ministry on the earth in order to see exactly what the Father is like, not take assumptions from other people based on hearsay and turn that into our perspective of the truth about God? One of the biggest reasons Jesus left the father's side was to come and show you, my man, what Jesus loves most about his daddy. He wanted you at your age to see exactly what the God of the universe is like and not listen to friends who don't know much about God Jesus left heaven so he would know exactly what his best friend and father is like. That's what Jesus did while he was here. Colossians 1:15 says, Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. That brings us to question number four. If you're on this journey of questions, okay, why did Jesus come? Why did he stay? What did he do while he was here? You start to catch up to the fact that he did some amazing things and it's awesome that he came. It begs question number four. But why did he leave? Preston, if if Christmas is the celebration of Jesus coming to earth, help me understand, why did he leave? Couple answers. And I think they're both incredibly romantic and powerful. Here's the first reason Jesus left. Because his work was finished. He left because his work was finished. John chapter 17, verse 4. Jesus says to the Father, I brought you glory here on the earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Jesus knew the work he had come to do. And he knew it so well, he knew when it was finished. To the point that, let me take you to the end of his 33-year run of living on the earth, while he was hanging on the cross, just before he dies. Listen to how it goes down in John chapter 19, verses 28 through 30. Jesus knew that his mission was now finished. And to fulfill scripture, he said, I am thirsty. A jar of sour wine was sitting there, so they soaked the sponge in it, put it on a hyssop branch, and held it up to his lips. When Jesus had tasted it, he said, it is finished. Then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Jesus left because he completed every work the father sent him to perform. What do you do at the end of a work day when you finished everything you needed to finish that day? You go home. And home, for the Son of God, is seated next to Father God. So it only makes sense. He didn't leave us. He left here. And I can prove it to you. He didn't leave us. He promised never to leave us. He left his spirit with us, but he did leave here. There's one more reason why he left here, to prepare a place. If you've got a Bible, you can look in John chapter 14. I'm gonna read a couple verses here because I think this is extravagant, and this is one of the biggest things we should celebrate this Christmas. John chapter 14 verse two tells us exactly why Jesus left to go back to the Father. Jesus says, there is more than enough room in my Father's home, speaking of the abode of heaven. If this were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? You know what Jesus is doing right now? Seated at the right hand of the Father. He is preparing a place for every person who received him as Lord, Savior, and friend. He had to go back. Right now. Coming back to you, my man. Do you realize what Jesus is doing right now? He is preparing a place, a table, shall we say, that is just for the two of you, that you can sit at for eternity And no one else gets to sit at that table with Jesus except you. Right now, he's preparing that place for you. He had to go back. In the same way that before you were born, long before you were born, Jesus was preparing everything necessary for your life. And after Jesus completed his work on the earth, Jesus went back to the Father to prepare everything for you. Which leads us to the fifth and final question. So Jesus came, he stayed, he was obediently active during his time on the earth, and then He left. And that begs question number five. Will Jesus ever come back? The best part of Christmas is we are celebrating the arrival of Jesus and we're left in this tension. The earth was filled with your presence, your tangible presence for a season on this earth. and then you left. Will you ever come back? Verse three of John 14, Jesus answers this question. He says, when everything is ready, I myself will come and get you. And watch The why, I think this is one of the most important and romantic verses in all of the Bible. Jesus says, when everything I have prepared is ready, I myself will come and get you, and here's why, so that you will always be with me where I am. The first time Jesus came, it was to be with us to show how badly he wanted to be with us, to do everything that needed to be done so that we could spend forever with him. And then he left to get everything ready so that he could come back. The first time he came to be where we were But when he returns, he is coming back to take us where he is forever. Christmas isn't just the reminder that he is the God who came. Christmas is meant to be the reminder. He is the God who is coming again. Jesus had to be born so that he could die. And Jesus had to die so that I could be forgiven of all of my wrongdoing in order to spend forever with him.